live. So, coming back at you with another episode of What They Don't Tell You About Surviving Medical School. Here with my co-hosts, Joe and Sam. We'll roll around for quick intros in a minute. And then we also have our esteemed guest, Patty Dolan. Um, So, he's going to be talking to us today about the concept of delayed gratification, which is something that is universal and we all certainly have experience with it since we're foraging through the the world of medicine um but dolan's journey is unique and outside of medicine and also applicable to virtually everyone's experience if you're working towards a distant goal or dream uh and so just as a reminder i'm a third-year medical student at the medical college of wisconsin um and we're joined by joseph Hello, folks. I am a current second-year resident in family medicine at uh, St. John's Family Medicine Program. You know, we're uh, Maplewood slash East St. Paul located. I think you said medicine. Medicine. I did add a Z in there. Z. I'm Sam. I'm (laughs) fourth-year med student at the University of Minnesota. Uh, basically an intern though, because I don't have any obligations. Graduate in two weeks on May first. So, can you say uh, what? What? Yes, I can't though. Not yet. Anyways, and who's yeah. our guest? And our guest is the sloth himself. <laughs> hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to tell people that this is the closest I'm ever going to get to attending medical school. Um, <laughs> so uh, and, uh, I'm excited. I'm a big fan of the show. Um, obviously, yeah. all of us share the connection against Davis, so I'm just happy to be here with uh, some gusties. We'll get you an honorary degree. <laughs> good, good. All right, so for those of you who are loyal fans like Sloth, um, that's our... our uh, Guest nickname. So if you get yeah, referred it's, to, it's, it's my gracious, it's so. my gracious nickname back from our so college days. There's no confusion. Days, so. <laughs> Clear that up right now. Um, we start off with picks of the week, just things to keep us grounded and grateful, especially in the current tumultuous world we live in. Um, so who wants to go first? Joe, Sam. Sure. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take one. Uh, this was actually. I can't remember if Sam actually recommended this as a pick of the week, but I took his recommendation to watch the show Hunters. Mm-hmm. Had you recommended I that? I can't remember Sam, show. like on the show Just, or anything. Uh, in passing. Yeah, it was an in passing recommendation. So it's an HBO. No, it's um, Amazon Prime show. But I thought it was through um, HBO. It's on Amazon Prime anyway. Um, and it essentially takes place in the 1970s. Um, I think it's loosely based on some truth that there were essentially Nazis living in America in the 70s that were a uh, holdover from World War II. So scientists and um, military leaders and, and, and the like. And they were essentially brought over by the American government so that we could keep the Soviets from getting all the top Russian scientists. Um, And then I'm sure a lot of fictional story goes down um, compared to what actually happened in reality. But essentially it's this, it's this group of Jews that go hunting Nazis in the seventies. 
Yeah, it's pretty tight. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, there's a cliffhanger at the end of every episode. It feels like makes you uh, want to come back for more. From more, for more. <laughs> Probably both. Definitely, <laughs> definitely for. <laughs> definitely for. <laughs> <laughs> I think Joe's talking about. Uh, my pick of the week is just animals in general in these times. It's real nice, nice to have uh, someone you that's got not human to mind? connect to. Uh, very broad. Well, my, it's very broad, yeah. My, my partner's dog's name is Wally. He's a 90-pound black lab. We've been doing a food challenge with him the past few weeks to month where uh, we got a bracket of 32 of his favorite foods, and we're currently in the final four, um, sort of. There's one more Elite Eight matchup, but uh, the current final four picks are green beans, cantaloupe, steak, and then we got to see what's going to win between brie and half and half. The cantaloupe is a weird one Yeah, the brie thing? Like I've watched. Oh yeah, I've, I haven't seen him not eat anything. Like, and they're all <laughs> no. He, he he eats everything every time. Jesus, wow. Yeah. So does your uh, does your shout out extend since it's to all animals? Does it extend to like the rabid like raccoons in your neighborhood that live in the in the sewer? Like, are they <laughs> yeah. Part of this? Yep. <laughs> yeah, they have names now, which is convenient for them. Um, Wally. No, the raccoons too. <laughs> okay, all right, moving on. Uh, my pick of the week. I'll give a shout out to a buddy that we all know, Wes Gloucester. Um, I got oh, back some pre-med advising stuff, and Wes has been helping me out, and I'm appreciative of his efforts. So nice, yeah, it's been fun to work with the. The hipster himself. Oh, I love Wes. I got I got uh, a lot of good memories with Wes, and probably some that he never wants me to share with people. So, yeah, yeah I think those are, <laughs> are going to be aired today. Yeah, I don't think they will. I don't think they will. Um, <laughs> all right, I guess I'll do mine. Um, I'm a big fan of the show, right, so I came prepared. Call me. I lost my connection. Uh, um, my yeah. bad. Yeah, we can hear you. Um, you okay. never left. All right, yeah. so that's, Wes is my shadow. Dolan, what you got? Um, so I came prepared. Um, I've got three picks of the week since there's three hosts on this show. Um, uh, I guess I've done it. Uh, at least one person has done it every episode, but I just, my first pick is all the frontline COVID workers um, in medicine. Uh, I think they're doing an awesome job and they're really being told to do a job that's, you know, serve first and ask questions later. I know all three of you work in the medical community. So personally to you guys, thanks so much for what you guys do and what you have been doing. Uh, my second one is the grocery and food delivery. Yeah, it's been coming in clutch for me. Um, I've got a store that I try to um, book a, you know, a slot to go get food picked up or just dropped into my truck and I don't even have to leave it. And then I can, you know, obviously try to eliminate as much chance or risk. Um, so that's been awesome. And then I'm trying out a food delivery service. Uh, no free ads, but it's, um, and uh, it, it's gone well so far. I've only had two recipes come in. I'm a fairly decent cook, but this is a hopefully expanding my horizons a little bit and getting me to do some meals that I normally wouldn't. Um, and then my last one, unfortunately, is nice. a little bit more serious. Um, the hockey community, I work in professional hockey, and the hockey community last week had a pretty uh, horrific thing happen. Um, a player within the Edmonton Oilers organization, Colby Cave, 
Um, he, uh, I'm not really sure what caused him to go into the hospital, but basically what happened is when he got there, doctors figured out that he had a, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right, a colloid cyst on his brain um, that needed to be removed. Um, they completed the surgery, but then he had to go into a coma. Um, and unfortunately, Kobe never came out of that coma and he passed away. Um, I, I, you know, in the hockey community, it's a very tight knit community personally, but I coached against him uh, every year that I've been in professional. And uh, everything that I know about and have heard about him, he was uh, a salt of the earth guy who was just so thankful to be doing hockey as his life and his career. He made it all the way up to the NHL, scored his first NHL goal with the Boston Bruins. And just people can't say enough good stuff about this guy. So just a, tra a tragic, tragic thing that had happened. Um, and, and I guess the silver lining that came out a few days ago, his parents were returning back to their home. I believe it's up in Saskatchewan. Uh, something like 10 miles worth of neighbors and community members lined the highway um, just Jeez. to give them, you know, get out of their cars and clap and cheer for them and, and let them know that they were all thinking of them. Um, so, yeah, wow. that's my last pick of the week. Damn. Yeah, I saw that video. Oh, it's pretty inspiring. Yeah, just awesome. Just, I mean, obviously, you can only imagine what that family's going through right now. And his wife, they had just got married, I think, this past year. So, just, just Ooh. heartbreaking. But, yeah, um, so sorry. Sorry to put a little bit of a downer on it. But, uh, yeah. Coming out swinging with six of the people. No, it's a good shout out. Good shout out. <laughs> All right. So, I think it's time to hand the reins over to the sloth, right? Yeah, thanks. I can just get rolling if you guys want me to. Um, like Brian said in my intro, um, and my first disclaimer that I want to put is these have to do with my personal experiences. By no means do I think that this is a buddy to follow. Um, that there could be, you know, only one or two good points in here that someone applies to their situation to their life. Um, and if they do so, that's awesome. Um, but but by no means do I claim to know it all. Or um, and I I love learning from other people too. Um, uh, so. Yeah, and I was gonna say, I was gonna say, Dole's. That's, and that's part of the the purpose of this podcast is just to to share what we've been through. So, uh, you know, this is really a, a judgment free zone, and no, this isn't a cookie cutter approach. So, I'm excited yeah, to absolutely. just hear um, so your yeah, story. Brian, uh, when he reached out to me, asked me if I would speak on delayed gratification. Um, so, uh, my job title is I'm a video coach within the Dallas stars organization. I work for the American league hockey team, the Texas stars um, in terms for people, triple a baseball team. Um, we're the top minor league team for the stars. Um, I know we have a lot of Minnesota wild listeners. Um, the equivalent for that is the Iowa wild. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been here for this. This is my first year with the team, um, but yeah, we'll, ju we'll jump a little back before we go into my more recent stuff. I'm originally from Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, grew up there always involved with sports with my family um, my mom actually more so than my dad my dad always wanted to play catch and he got shoot hoops with me but my mom was like a, a fan of a lot of sports and i fit age like watching games with my mom um whether it was baseball basketball um uh and hockey was one of them and i played hockey growing up um and just got to a point um about midway through high school that uh my, my talent wasn't matching up with my desire um <laughs> and, uh, just you were of... state champ though weren't you slot uh yeah way 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 back um but yeah um so anyways i i kind of you know made the decision at that point to um 
actually focus on tennis. Um, and that's a big connection that me and Brian share. Um, and I played tennis the rest of the way. Um, and I've always said that I've had two main points in my life or my young adult life that were like key to me. Um, and it was the day that I decided to go to Gustavus and the day after um, I graduated that I decided I wanted to pursue hockey. Um, it was kind of a funny story how I got to Gustavus. I went to a college out-of-state fair. Um, I talked to some schools and, um, you know, I, I really wanted to go out of state from Colorado. I loved my home, but I kind of viewed it as I had a lot of friends that were just going to Colorado State, which is in our hometown, or CU Boulder. Against that, it just, it sounded very repetitive for me and I wanted to go experience somewhere new. So I was looking all over. I was looking in Arizona, Wisconsin, Boston. I remember I really had an infatuation to go to BU for a little bit. Um, it never came to light, but um Anyways, yeah, so uh, we go to the South State College Fair. I talk to the colleges that, or the, the universities that I think I, I like and that I want. And my mom actually tells me, oh, you should go talk to this, um, this which it sounded like a made-up college. Um, and, 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 and a lot of people have told me that now when I say when I went to school. They're like, um, and, but she, I had said if I didn't go to a, a really big school for a specific that I really wanted to go to a liberal arts education school. Um, I thought that just the learning environment that that offered, I thought that would offer the best um, for me. Uh, I knew if I went to a school where I could be in an auditorium with four, I would just get lost in the shuffle, maybe not attend classes. <laughs> um, and so uh, anyways, just to like basically tell my mom, all right, I did it. I went over and talked to the guy at the table. Um, I believe he's still an admissions officer at Gustavus, uh, Tom McHugh. <laughs> I went over because one to keep my mom quiet that I finally did it. And okay, mom, I got the pay off. Um, and I really felt bad for the guy. Nobody had gone up to the table <laughs> that, that I, saw like, I was like, man, if this guy really came from Minnesota and no one's even going to talk to him, like I'll just go talk to him, maybe make his night for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up telling me that they have a very prolific program um, at Gus Davis for Ben's tennis to that point. I had never heard of it, um, but one of the main pieces in my learning experience was there as a coach, Steve Wilkinson, a legendary coach. I just got, I jotted down a few of his Wilkes records because they're mind blowing. He was the coach at Gustavus for 39 years. He still holds the most NCAA wins for a tennis coach in the history of the NCAA at 929. Um, he, he guided that, that uh, school to two national championships um, as a team and then had multiple uh, individual wins because um, in tennis you compete at singles and doubles uh, along with your team um, and then my favorite Wilkes stat in the Mayak which is the Minnesota um, conference that they play in his conference record across his coaching career was 334 and 1 <laughs> which that's got to be the most dominant <laughs> stat I, I, you know, we always joked when we were there and I actually ran into one of the guys at one of our annual um, fundraising galas I always joked I was like Thank God we weren't on the team that did the one. Like, I would hate to be those guys. And we ran into one of them and they answered about it and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, just a dot. Was it just, like, a bad – Was did they – did he explain it at all? Was it just a bad you know, day or was that, like – We would stack our squad It was a contentious, like contentious year. Inner squad match – or not, for, for, like, conference matches since we were pretty dominant, obviously, in the – Mike, we'd sometimes put our B or our C squad against the team's A squad, which, which sounds so cocky. Which sounds right. so, so bad, maybe, it... but like <laughs> I, maybe that's what happened. I actually don't know because after I made like the little good nature comment, I was like, "All right, that's probably enough. I, I probably should stop asking about it because this guy's probably like, who's yeah, the kid? yeah." Um, 
but uh, anyways, I, so those yep. were like the early introductions that I had to that program. So I was like, man, I, I got to go see what this is about. Like, who would have thought a small school in southern Minnesota, um, you know, how do they have a good tennis program? So I went out there and I actually went out for uh, I, I just thought we always hosted it, but I think they bid for it. But they usually get it. The national indoor tournament um, for Division three tennis um, is usually hosted at the end of January at Gustavus. It's usually the host school, which is Gustavus and then the top eight and I went out there when I was in high school for a recruitment visit and watched them play uh, UC Santa Cruz, I think was the first match. And to that point, I mean, I know you guys are both uh, runners, uh, Joe and Sam. Brian, you like to think that you are, but. Uh, <laughs> 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 I beat you on a half marathon once, so I'll put that on the air. There you go. It's only because he pooped himself. <laughs> he did. I, I want. <laughs> I won't Anyways, even, I, think I won't even argue. Uh, unfortunately, a common thing that we could share, maybe even through high school, was that our sport really wasn't like a fandom. It was really for people to come out and watch your sport. The only people that were there were like your mom and your dad, right? And like maybe a dedicated buddy that's like fifteen minutes. Um, well, I yeah. I go to this <laughs> visit, and it's you know it's January, so it's really really cold. Um, we go over to what's known as the bubble at Davis. Um, and we walk inside and I thought I walked into like a hockey game atmosphere. Like there was bleachers. There were students that had clearly maybe had a few pops and they were just, they were loving it. They were chanting. <laughs> they were blowing into horns. There was guys every time a match finished, there was like, I'm guessing they were, but there was like eight of them. They would rack out like 20 pushups when a match ended. Like it was the best atmosphere <laughs> I had ever seen. And like, if I was being truthfully honest at that point, I was like, I got to come here. Like, uh, this is amazing. Um, so, yeah, I spoke with, uh, like I said, Steve Wilkinson, who at the time still was the head coach. Um, he retired in 2009. And then actually mine and Brian's first year on the team, our freshman year in 2010, was the first year um, of one of the most important people in my life there. Um, Tommy Valentini became there. T. Val was the graduate of the program himself. I believe he graduated from 2002 or 2003. Um, he had been away from the program for a little bit but then had come back to you know basically be the you know the coach in waiting when Wilk was ready to retire um and just I've never met two people um especially Wilk not a shot at Tommy but especially Wilk like it's easy for everybody to say the right things or really be a competitor but like to live and breathe it and do it every day and do it when it's not easy to do it and like crazy so like it was it was um it was pretty influential for me to go there um, there's probably a, a wealth of stuff I could cover with that, but for time reasons, I'll just say like the main teaching points that we were instructed when we were part of the program, there was the three crowns. Gustavus is a sweet, our emblems are the three crowns of Sweden. Um, and we use those for our team specifically for the three crowns of positive attitude, full effort, and good sportsmanship. Again, they all just sound very cheesy or simple or like, Oh yeah, everybody gives full effort. Everybody has a positive attitude or whatever. And, um, when I first got there, I realized how much of all three of those categories I was really lacking. Um, and so I, being a part of that program, I, I was so grateful to be introduced to that thinking. And um, it, I, We joke about it, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest, again, part of the playing results of that team, um, which I will openly admit uh, it's such a good program. Obviously everybody that comes there has pretty much played number one singles at their high school. So you get all these, you know, 
uh, big fish in a small pond and everybody like I, I still me and Brian laugh about uh, one of our first days we skipped one of the freshman orientation events and we all went over and hit on a court and I remember in that instance thinking like oh no <laughs> like I'm never gonna play here like these guys are all amazing um, and so it, it was but it was such a great experience such a great team we're a no-cut team so you would think for a team that has all these records and winning and all, like Steve he any player that wanted to come out and play for him he put an emphasis on you will be a part of our family and part of our team um my role on that team if i had to self-examinate would be that i spent a lot be a good teammate um uh i i'm you know i I have an irish background so i have a lot of self-deprecating humor and so i uh i would try to just make guys laugh sometimes or just be a good teammate cheering them on and um, and I just really enjoyed that role. We joke about, it. I'm pretty sure Brian one year gave me a uh, gift at our end of the year banquet. So I guess Avis on the side of the course, there's metal bleachers. He got me a seat cushion. Um, the sick man, so, <laughs> which, Hey, I was a good teammate, you know, I knew my role. So, um, you still played and you, you played I know, I know, I know. your share matches. Yeah, I know. And I'm joking. Like, they just weren't the national indoor. I didn't play the national indoor either though. So yeah, well then you should have had a seat. Not many too. people did. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's enough about, but like, yeah, just great. Well, Brian, I, I was the best man at Brian's wedding. Uh, I know Nora and him really, really well. I, I have multiple teammates that they're just the solid inner circle in a rock. I, I would have never had if I never went to that school. Um, so anyways, um, that's kind of my, my playing or, or my athletic experience when I was in school. But the, the key part for me as far as now where I've led my, my career path into started my junior year. I was currently working for the Gustavus uh, Sports Department for Tom Brown and Jared Phillips. They were the head and the assistant of the athletic department. All I was doing, I was a part of the game day staff. So I'm sure you guys saw them at all your events, just khaki pants and a black polo. And we did out like pamphlets and, <laughs> great job and it was an easy job if i'm being truly honest um and so anyways i was working in there and uh word started to spread around from brett peterson who's the and he still is the head coach of the gustavus uh, men's uh, hockey program that they had just bought a software for computers to like break down the film of their game they weren't really sure how they were going to use it if them had ever done it uh do we know anybody that could maybe do this they basically were looking for someone that they potentially could just like hand the program to not have to explain the rules of hockey offsides, what a face-off is, what a chance is. And they wanted someone that could like teach themselves the program. Well, growing up, I watched a lot of hockey. So I was like, oh, sure, I'll give it a try. It was my student employment. So the same money that I got paid if I was wiping tables in the calf is what I got paid for that. Um, but I didn't, I mean, at the time I was still playing the teams. So I, I pretty much was just at the, the games. Um, first time I really had to wear a suit <laughs> I'd be showing up and I'd just sit up on the folding table right above in the Lund Center and mark games and that was pretty much it I mean I was not involved in practice planning or any of that stuff but I was just trying to do that and it was great because I you know as I mentioned I, I thought oh yeah I can do this well I didn't realize how different you're watching a game when you're doing that and so I laugh now if I compared it to what I'm able to do in game for our teams now I was just watching like face-offs, shifts, and chances. I thought my head was going to blow up. Like I couldn't, I couldn't back it all, and I just had mm. to watch it from a totally different perspective. So learning that was so so awesome. I really enjoyed it. I left Gustavus in 2014 with a business management degree, and really wasn't sure had a job offer from a just a you know 
kind of run of the mill, in my opinion, insurance company. They probably offered it to everybody, like, uh, and it would have been an okay starting salary for a recent college graduate, and would have just been your normal nine to five job. But I, I started to think about it, and I was just like, you know, I don't know, like. I want my degree to mean something and I want to go and do something that I'm passionate about. Like selfishly, I thought at that time I go, what a dumb decision that if I just go do a job that in my opinion, again, not to sound cocky, I was like, that'll always be there. Why would I go do something that I don't really have a passion in and doesn't really have anything for me. So anyways, um, can you dissect right, like a little bit more though? Cause like yeah, you yeah. had a fork in the road and you had the easy choice and the hard choice and lots of people have those forks but what like what fears did you have and how did you overcome those when you had to pick the less traveled road yeah especially coming from background yeah definitely so i mean i I think a big thing was is that there was a few of our you know friend group and our tank and our tennis team specifically all the graduating seniors everybody started to get a little bit more you know traction to their plan of what they were going to do you know brian was already really interested in the medical field we had a couple guys that accepted like they were good to go and they were really hyped about them and really talking about them. So yeah, I guess you would say that to be the odd man out of like, well, I'm not really, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. And I've always said, um, you know, if you're lucky enough to, you know, grow up how we all did, you know, you, all right, K through 12, you're going to go to school. Now let's just go to a four year university. And right after that, it becomes a ledge of, okay, well now just go do life. Like becomes very, very open-ended and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think in part, a big part of that was the support of my family. I had expressed some interest in what I was doing at the school, working with the hockey team. Tommy was a big help. I used him. I had done my coaching uh, minor practicum with him, and we had talked out a lot of things as far as where my interests lie. Um, and then the other key meeting or talk that I had was actually with somebody that works for Minnesota Wild. Um, we had a member of our team, Sam Maka. His dad, uh, Matt Maker, at the time was the chief operating officer for the Minnesota Wild. Sam was gracious enough to kind of link me up with his dad. We swapped a few emails. I could come up for a meeting. Um, so I drove up one day, the hour up to Minneapolis, went to the Minnesota Wild's executive office, and naively, if I'm truly admitting now, I was hoping I was going to walk out of there with an NHL job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and, but in that interview, Matt Maka was one gracious enough to give me his time. I'm pretty sure he's now the president of the Minnesota Wild. So it's him and Craig Leopold for you hockey fans out there that basically run the show there. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they are top, top dogs. So mm-hmm. the fact that he's like, Hey dad, I got this guy that helps our team out. Wants to talk to you. Like that he, that he took the time. <laughs> and I, I mean, the meeting was looked me in the eye. Mm-hmm. We, I don't I don't even know how long we talked for. Like it was just a great, great meeting. Um, and I left there with no job, but I left there with some advice that um, the key point that still sticks with me in my head, I remember him saying, if you pursue, I don't know what jobs or roles you'll kind of be going after. It sounds like you're working with video, but like, just be ready for the fact that you're probably going to work double half the pay. You're going to work and you're going to talk with friends that are working in investments and accounting and all this stuff. And it's not to make it sound like what they're doing is easy, but their path is going to be a lot more concrete and they might have instant rewards right now that you, like if you're trying to stack those up, you'll drive yourself crazy. Um, Which I I think it goes back. It was was basically him laying down the gauntlet of saying like, yeah, it's probably going to be really tough 
for you to do what you want to do. But if you're into it, you'll have no problem working double the hours for half the pay. Um, so that kind of stuck in my mind. I actually stuck around Gustavus, just trying to, Minnesota's obviously a hockey hotbed, trying to, hey, Minnesota Mankato, you know, Duluth, the U, uh, anybody is there. Are they looking for a director of hockey operations, which handles a lot of the team services and video aspects of No, I didn't get one call back. <laughs> Nobody gave me a call. Um, so I returned back a little tail between my legs to Colorado to my parents' house um, and was, again, just like midsummer at that point. I had hopes and dreams of what I was doing, but this, what I was finding out quickly was that this is an industry where there's not like a job posting. There are a few sites um, that post, but like they're ticket sales jobs. They're not the jobs that I wanted and the jobs of operations and working for the coaching staff. So it was kind of tough. Like I, you know, I wouldn't see a posting and then I would see an article online about, oh, the, you know, same new director of hockey operations. And then I'd read the guy's resume and I'd be like, there's no way I was getting that. Like that guy's, that guy worked with USA Hockey for six years. Mm-hmm. Like, crazy so like anyways it was it was getting a little point it was getting to a point in the summer that i was like man i'm i'm gonna i gotta start paying the bills here like hey mom and dad thanks for sending me away to gustavus one of these you know one of these great schools and now i'm like just floundering um but again they were so supportive like they they didn't just want me to allow me to be lazy like they weren't just like content with me like sitting on the couch like they wanted me to do what i wanted to do and pursue my passion so um i still remember this i laughed I had started to apply for bartending jobs in my hometown and just to, you know, if I needed a job to pay the bills and I went down for dinner um, at our house at our kitchen table and I missed a phone call on my phone with a voicemail and it was from a number I didn't have saved. And I thought it was a bartending job calling me back. Um, and I was psyched because I was like, yeah, so I can pay the bills. I don't have to be a, a Arizona coyotes. Um, I had applied for a job online earlier that day um it was basically an intern level position at their american hockey league level the same league i work in today um but it was in portland maine where their ahl team basically the description was somewhat of the same responsibilities that i do um as a video coach you work with video you would be an assistant to the coaching staff just kind of a jack of all trades position but the way i viewed it was i was a foot in the door that was a still a high level of hockey it's the level below the national hockey league like i was like jacked so this guy calls me back i couldn't get i couldn't return the voicemail quick enough um i get him on the phone that night and we start talking his name is bob tioflo um he now works for the carolina hurricanes but um we had a good chat i was really enthused about you know the potential of going out there and and the role and all that stuff um and then he said what they were paying and i was just like um the the job was going to pay 500 dollars a month um, and I mean, I, I wasn't sure what rent could be out there or whatever, but I was just like, I was starting to do the math and I was like $500 a month. I made more when I was working at the post office at Gustavus. Like, I was, I was <laughs> man, like I know like double the hours, you know, double the hours have to pay. Like, man, I got college education. Like, what is, what are we talking about here? Um, so again, main, main thing in that circumstance was the support of my parents. My parents, Hey, go out there will help you financially get out there, see if you like it. This sounds like a great opportunity um, and do it. And so I uh, scrounged together the money that I had, bought a 2003 Honda Accord and drove out to Maine. Um, and I uh, took that job and um, 
you know, that year was a big learning year. I wasn't the head video coach. I just learned behind a guy. Um, but I thinking, you know, I was seeing a very, very high level of hockey when I was at Gustavus because I thought, man, these guys are way better than I ever was. And these guys were really good players. And we had a couple D one transfers when I was at Gustavus and we got there and we had a hope winner um, that couldn't make our lineup. Hobie Baker is the national player of the year um, for people that don't know. Um, so this is, the, you know, the Heisman, but for hockey, this guy couldn't even get in our lineup. And I was like, what's going on here? Like, this is, a, it was, I, I remember the first practice, I just stood near the glass and I was like, these guys are all NHL all-stars in my mind. Like, how are these guys not the same shots that I was watching when I watched Joe Sackett play and all this stuff when I was little, like, I thought this was amazing. So uh, it was a, it was a really good first year, but it was a little bit of a tough first year. Obviously the money came into play. My rent turned out to be $600 a month, which was a deal. I found it. I found a great place. But every month I'm a hundred in the hole just on the rent. That's before I ate. That's oh before I started gosh. to pay car payments. That's before any Gustavus. Thanks. Um, like, I was just like, man, like, how long can this go on? So anyways, I get through that year, or I get through the first few months of that, and requirements were, you know, a decent amount, but it wasn't, I wasn't having to work the full days yet, and I didn't travel with the team on the road. Um, so I might, you know, I was like, well, I should probably look to get a second job. Me and my family talked about that. So Buffalo Wild Wings, how you doing, you know? Um, nice. And my thinking, which was just, <laughs> Prove again where my head was at was that well I like going to Buffalo Wild we went to B Dubs in, in all the time you know and we usually went to win Tuesdays and Thursdays because it was cheap and I loved it well it's bad when you're on the other side of that you're the server that's waiting on the who their bill is you know fourteen thirty seven and they tip you and it's fifteen bucks and you're like how is this gonna happen. But it was the only place that would give me a job because I basically had to say, hey, on some Fridays and Saturdays, I won't be able to work. Um, so, yeah, my, my, my days usually consisted of if it was a normal <laughs> practice day, I would drive to our practice facility around 7 a.m., um, work with the team. I didn't go on the ice for practice, but I would assist the head video coach there um, in Portland by, you know, doing whatever. I would mark shifts. It was my first introduction to a new video program that I was learning called XOS. Um, and I, I would just do whatever. I would vacuum change the trash i would do whatever i needed the equipment guys they need me to change the laundry whatever and mm -hmm. i just wanted to prove that i was useful my desk was in the players lounge. my desk um <laughs> is below the tv in the players lounge with a big trash bin right next to me models and they just like smoke <laughs> my again desk i say that term loosely and but it was just funny i i still have guys that i keep mm -hmm. in relationships there <laughs> that were both players and staff that they're awesome. And it's, and it's great times to look back on. I, I played a few ping pong matches there where they wanted to gamble a little bit of money. And I was very motivated to win that match. Because it was either that or peanut butter sandwiches for like two months. So get a oh, month exactly. of, uh, of a exactly. ping pong. Game. You, uh, what is, what is that term when you slow play them? What is that? Did you, uh, Oh, when you shark, yeah. when, when you pull shark them, yeah, did you hustle him? A couple, a little bit, the... a little bit. I started, I was playing one guy with my left hand. Um, I, I'm a righty, um, and so I played <laughs> with my left hand. I'm actually pretty good with my left hand. And another guy walked in, he was like, oh, you're not that good, Patty. Let's play for 50 bucks. And again, in my head, I'm like, that's my net worth right now. Like, like all right, let's do it. And then I, you know, 21 free. And, he, and I'd be sweating and, like, diving. Um, but, uh, yeah, I said it was good years there. But, yeah, my days would 
be in the practice facility till about 2 p.m. At that point, then I would be released, and I would go home, try to eat something, and then I either I either my shift at Buffalo usually started at either four or five, but because I was never able to work the morning shifts, I always I was usually the closer. Um, I was usually on the closing shift, and Buffalo Wild Wings, I think still to this day, I don't know why, until at least one or two every night of the week. And I, I was just like, oh, man. So, yeah, I'd usually wow. work from about 4 till 5, or start at 4 or 5 p.m., and then I'd usually work till about midnight or 1 a.m., and then have to be up at 7 to go to the rink. Um, so I laughed, like, when it got to – Jeez. Those were, like, off days. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have to go. Um, and that year, yeah. in-game, yep. the head video coach, he would sit with the, the computer and break the game down. My job was to film. I became – I get Gustavus, I had the healthy scratch players do that. They were the, and so I, they never wanted to see me during the game because they knew I was going to ask them to go film. Um, but yeah, I, so I was very much so started from the bottom and, and I was just doing whatever I could. I just wanted to try to make myself useful because I just felt so lucky to be at that level. You know what I mean? Like, there's some of the best, they're the one percenters. Um, we had guys that, you know, I, I'd see them one day and they get recalled up to the Arizona Coyotes and I get to watch them on TV. Like, I, I, in that sense, that that's where I right. first was, was that I was just like enamored by being at that level of hockey and feeling like, all right, I'm getting a little taste. I'm getting at least a little window of it. Um, so anyway, how did the, um, oh, like, uh, how'd you fall back on the, the three crowns too, just to show that they're not just, they weren't just puffing smoke up our, our asses. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Um, and that's the brutal grind. Oh yeah. So I mean, obviously, I mean, again, the three crowns are positive attitude, full effort, and good sportsmanship. Um, the good sportsmanship might might have been a little bit tough. I was probably just trying to be a good teammate to my uh, my co-workers there. Um, <laughs> maybe I was Buffalo Wildlings. I don't know. Um, but positive <laughs> attitude and full effort for sure. Positive attitude was tested all the time. I'm I'm in Portland, Maine. You know, it's beautiful in the summer. It's not that nice in the winter. It's freezing. There's a ton of snow. Um, I'm, I'm, I didn't know anybody. The only people I knew were the people that were working there. I didn't know one person right. that lived in that city. Buffalo Wild Wings was actually great for that. I met people that I had nothing to do with hockey. Um, and then, yeah, full effort. It was really like at that point, I, I still believe, well, an NHL general manager is calling down to this staff and he's going to be checking with the head coach. And like, if my name comes up that, it can either come up that like, ah, yeah, the intern's doing, yeah, he's an intern, whatever. We'll probably, you know, change him out with another one and we wouldn't even notice. Um, so my, my focus was like, all right, well, I'm going to work hard and I'm giving my full effort and hopefully that's good. Uh, not to go off topic, but going back to one of my first jobs, I worked in the restaurant business because my dad worked in the restaurant business, but was at Texas Roadhouse. I was a bus. Um, and something again, stuck in my head that my boss there, uh, Jimmy told me one time was he goes, Hey, Patty, do you like busing? And, of course, I'm trying to, you know, 16 years. Yeah, 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 I love busing. <laughs> like, you don't love like it. cleaning up tables and taking out the trash and sweeping up cigarette butts. Like, you don't like that. But he goes, if you ever want to be whatever you're going to be in life or whatever, he goes, I'm telling you, tables and take the trash out. If you can't take the trash out well, how do I ever think you're going to be a server well? How do I ever think you're going to be a bartender or a manager well? That was obviously specific to that industry, but that stuck with me. I mean, I'm obviously still thinking about it today. Like people always think about they want these big massive tasks that are going to show off, oh, I'm amazing at what I do or whatever. Um but it's a it's a build. Um and if you're not doing it on the little things, it's very hard to 
to do it on the large things. So I would say, I hope that answers your question, Brian. That's how those three. Mm-hmm. Really... That's be- that beautiful. Yeah. That's a real, that's a really good point. Yeah, really I mean, good I don't point. Have to tell you guys, yeah. like you guys are, I, I've, I don't, I have no idea what step one is and the six points of variation and all of the beta blockers and all this other stuff that I've heard on other episodes. <laughs> I'm lost. And I'm just hanging <laughs> on the episode, hoping I hear a joke or something. Um, but like you guys, I have to tell you guys, <laughs> listeners that are within the medical community, you're constantly put like, it's not like Brian, when you were preparing for a test, it wasn't like you were just like for one week, you're like, all right, I'm going to knuckle down. And then this is it. I got it. I'm going to be a doctor. Like you had to build all these pieces. You didn't, the, the castle mm-hmm. or the pyramid you were building was going to crumble. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still not a doctor yet either. So, well, every time I call Brian and he answers the phone, I always say, what's up, Dr. Miles? So he's a doctor in my eyes. Um, but yeah, so anyways, that, that first year ends. We actually made the playoffs and lost out in uh, the first round in the final game um, to the eventual champion. So we gave it a run. We gave it a try. Um, they fired the whole staff. <laughs> they, they fired everyone. Really? They fired um, not only everyone? Did they fire everyone. They were then going to relocate the team to Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, this happens a, a, a decent amount with teams where you'll see them change affiliations and move. Right. Um, think of it as an NHL team uh, is, you know, the people that are going to rent an apartment. You move into the apartment for a little bit. You move your stuff in, your players, your pieces. Um, and, and then when the lease goes up, you either decide to stay or you move to another apartment. Um, and that's kind of what happens. There's always a little bit of a musical chair shuffle. There's some teams now that are owned by their NHL team, like the Dallas Stars own us in Texas. So there's a good chance that we're going to be here for a while. Um, but, yeah, that, that shuffle – so, yeah, not only did they let the whole staff go, um, which that was my first exposure to it. Um, I had never been around. I'd never even been, like, the volunteer coach that the tennis team. That guy was always there. Like, <laughs> I'd never even seen anybody really get fired except for on TV. And that's where um, I'm sure you guys, I know, Joan, Sam, you like, it's almost exciting to watch, you know, when stuff goes down. I know you guys talked about you know, for Joe earlier on the show and stuff like that. Like, that was my first taste mm-hmm. of like this really impacts people's lives. Um, so that kind of stunk. Uh, oh, but yeah, yeah. I was the only staff member that was then brought from Portland to Springfield. Um, and during the time period that summer, when I returned back to Colorado, cause I wasn't going to live in Maine. Um, when I wasn't getting paid, I went back home to Colorado and they just put me in waiting. They basically said, we don't have a new head coach yet. Uh, we can't really offer you a contract or an extension. We like your work, but we don't know where things are at. Um, so I went home, Colorado was just sitting and waiting. Um, Arizona liked what, what I did, my work, and they wanted to offer me to come to Springfield um, and be on the coaching staff there. The new head coach there was going to be Ron Rolston, um, who had previously worked in the Buffalo Sabres organization because our new general manager was the old Buffalo Sabres general manager, Darcy Regeer. Um, and, yeah, so – but, uh, unfortunately, the financials only made a little bit of a jump. They still paid me as an intern – um, but then I was, I, I was making a thousand dollars a month. Um, so yeah, again, I was hey. like, all right, like, here we go. <laughs> um, and, but then I, uh, cost of living was such out there. Like my, my rent was pretty much a wash on my, on my wages. And the tough thing was, was that year I was, so me and there, we actually had another video coach on the staff, Sam Kim, um, who I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, we were both full time. So we traveled with the team and did everything. So I didn't have the opportunity to work a second job. Um, as much as that would have spread me thin, at least it was a, it was more income to keep you afloat. Um, 
but yeah, so moving to Western Massachusetts, I'd never really been in that area before. Um, if anybody's listening from Springfield, Massachusetts, or knows that area and calls it home, I'm really sorry. I think that area is an absolute dump. Um, <laughs> and uh, when I lived there, I actually didn't even live, lived across the border in Connecticut because the city had such a high crime rate and just was a dump. Um, so yeah. Um, but anyways, get to Springfield, and um, and now I'm still getting you know bad pay but i was so excited like all right progress like from being the backup to now you're like you and another guy or the co-head video like this is awesome this is great and that year was awesome i learned a lot um for me there was three saving graces that year because as i've already mentioned it wasn't the best place to live um and we ended up having a really tough year i think we were third to last in points and we had a lot of nights where it was like it was three zero before you know, we got out of warm-ups. Like, it was a little tough. So, um, but the three saving graces for me there mm-hmm. were um, on our staff. I had my family, too, but was Bruce Landon, who was our team president. Bruce had been almost every possible role and title that you had there. And he kind of, you know, he's an older gentleman. He kind of took me under his, his wing, in my opinion. I had an office that was attached to our players' lounge. And uh, I would, you know, grab a coffee sometimes and go in there. And I didn't even realize, but it was like school is in session kind of thing. Bruce is passing along this wisdom. And again, for me, I was just so excited that somebody was wanting to sit down with me and invest time with me. And I felt it was my duty and my responsibility to give that guy his time because he was such a legend for that organization and had a wealth of knowledge. And he turned out and I still talk to Bruce. He's a great mentor. He's now since retired. Um, but that guy, like I said, if you're a hockey fan, if you look up the Springfield organizations from their history, the only reason they stayed there as long as they did was because of Bruce Landon, in my opinion. Um, one of our assistants, Mike Davis, um, and I love Babel. He's a straight out of Boston guy. Um, yeah, he worked, played at BU and worked at BU for a long time. Um, Bevo was an assistant coach that year with us and Bevo very similar to me would always break the ice with a little bit of humor. And when situations would get rough and obviously our results were, it was a tough year. Like Bevo was a great person to have around. Um, and uh, Bevo took a personal investment in me too. Um, he, he, he paid my way to go to a conference one time um, uh, with more money than I would like to admit. So yeah, his reasoning was that he believed in me that he didn't want me to miss out on something because um, so when you start to get people like that, you almost in a good way, but you almost feel a pressure. Like I'm sure you guys feel it with your families or your significant others for you guys, Brian and Joe, your wives, like people are buying in now and, and you don't want to let them down. Um, and for me, I guess the main focus right. of sticking to the delayed gratification trend was that I had to focus on not letting effort. The results might not be there right now. It might not be this big, you know, titled person or be making the money I want or whatever. But I was like, these people are investing their time. I need to work and have my effort line up with like, Hey, there's your proof in the pudding that I'm trying to do what I can, that what's in within my control. And Brian talked about it a lot in this show before. That's another teaching from our days. Because Davis was focus on what you can control. So yeah, Mike. And then yeah. the other video coach there, Sam, Sam is, and he still works and he works in the Western conference. I was a video coach um, in Bakersfield, but Sam was my first exposure to maybe in hockey, somebody that had a high moral capacity. I'm not trying to insult the hockey world, but like this guy was like the perfect human being kind of thing. Like uh, he was regimented with his routine. We were both making the same tough pace. We were making ends. Like, let's put it this way. 
me and Sam's salary combined, we were, I think, $10,000 less than the lowest paid guy in the league. So all these people were looking at us going, man, oh, because Bill doesn't have a lot of two-man staffs. They were like, oh, wow, the Arizona Coyotes are really, you know, doing big things. That they must, You guys must have been paid. And we were like, ah, uh, no, dude. Um, so, yeah. But, like, Sam was so, – I learned so much from Sam just as far as how detail-oriented he was, his preparation, how he would go about preparing for a day's work, and basically always being an asset for coaches. Um, I really, if I'm, you know, were to reflect on it, I really took a lot of that away from him is that our job, we're new to the hockey industry with the technology being more and more infused with video and analytics. And you get a little bit of pushback with some of these old school coaches because, ah, what, what do these kids know or whatever? And so oh, yeah, I'm sure. You have a hurdle to get over as far as the mentality of what your role is, even before you step in the door. And so Sam was... I've never seen anybody that just worked their ass off as much as that kid did, in my opinion. So um, I, I loved having Sam as a ally. So anyways, we get to the end of the Springfield year, whole staff gets fired again. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I'm bad luck. Like what's going on? Like, Oh man. And so I'd say we're talking to this at Bevo and like, you know, I'm like, what, what's going to happen now? Like now I got a bad mark on my name. Like, now I've been on two staffs, and I'm like, um, oh, I'm sorry, before I move on, Brian, and not just because he's on this call, I'm going to give him a little, you know, pat on the back here. Brian basically talked me out of quitting that year. I got to a point in our season where stuff was so bad, our statistics were so bad, I've been making shit money for two years now, Um and I'm sure you guys feel this way a little bit. Like I, I shared more maybe with Brian than I did even family of how tough it was just because my, I knew how much my parents had sacrificed for me that I was like, Oh yeah, it's, it's going well, you know? And, and then I get off the phone and I'd be like, this sucks. Why am I doing this? Why am I going through it? And it's Brian. Right. Um, I said I was the best man at his wedding. So we, we are very close, but Brian talked me off of that ledge a lot of times where I just, I didn't want to stay committed at that point. I thought, you know what? You gave it a good run. You had it. You know, it's not like I tried for a couple of weeks. I at that point tried for a year and a half. Maybe this isn't for you. I was in my eyes facing an uphill battle. I never played professionally. Um, how am I going to do this? And the pay was not getting where it needed to be. So uh, kudos to you, Brian. Um, you can't stand. I, I, I did never do anything for you now. <laughs> Well, I believed in you. <laughs> like, like everyone else has believed in you and your takeaways along the way and your growth. So, well, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so anyways, that's then now it's like back to square one again. Now I returned back to Colorado that summer. The team was going to get moved again, this time to Tucson, Arizona, which was a good move for the Coyotes. A lot of NHL teams at that point were trying to get their AHL teams closer because as somebody in their head might have gone off. Wait, why were the Arizona Coyotes minor league teams in Portland, Maine, or Springfield, Massachusetts? Yeah. At that time, there was no Western Conference really for or Western-based United States teams. There was another conference, but they were all kind of on the East Coast because that's where the NHL first started. Um, and oh yeah, we and they would we do a lot of busing, right? Instead of flying. Years when I was there, we would just bus all around the Northeast. You know, Syracuse, Albany, uh, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Lehigh Valley. We bust all across there. So I, you know, a lot of time spent on the bus, which for a tall guy is 
I mean, I, I guess it's better than I guess it's better than a plane because <laughs> um, you could take your shoes off and lounge around and lay on the floor, and it was everybody on was knew you. Um, but yeah, a couple times where again I was I was sitting on a bus going, you know, in the middle of dead winter in New York somewhere, and I'd be like, why the hell am I doing this? Um, and uh, so yeah, anyways. Mm-hmm. We get to that off season. I return home and I'm I'm working my same summer jobs, working at a country club golf course, um, cleaning golf clubs, which I did throughout high school and college. Well, it's kind of a fun job when you're 17 and everybody else is 17 and you get free golf in the summer. When you're coming back and you're like 24 years old, the next youngest <laughs> guy is 17, and they're like, "Yeah, what do you do?" Like, oh, I'm, uh... and like. <laughs> It's almost like uh-huh. a bad, like you almost don't want to, oh yeah, I just finished working for the Arizona Coyotes AHL team. And they're like, and you're cleaning golf clubs? Like, so, but that's how it went. Anyway, so I go back there and I actually remember uh, one day I got a call. Um, my number had been passed along. And this is where, again, it started to maybe get a little bit more traction that it was really network-based. There wasn't job postings. There was, they just, you know, when a position opened, people trust their network of people. Like, who should I be talking to? So, I'm cleaning golf clubs one day and our bosses there would really get mad if we ever had our phones out because we weren't supposed to be checking Instagram or whatever. And so like, I feel my phone buzzing in my pocket, but I'm like, well, I can't answer it right now. I'm, you know, I'm visible to the, to the clubhouse. And so I get a voicemail from a number I don't have. And I pop around the corner and I have a voicemail from Ron Francis, um, who, you know, if you don't know, hockey, Brian, um, <laughs> Ron Francis is probably one of the most legendary <laughs> players to ever play. And at the time he was the general manager for the Carolina hurricanes. Um, and basically they were, you know, wanting to talk to me about a, uh, the video coach position at their team in Charlotte uh, in the AHL. So again, same league that I just been in the last two years, but I was like, okay, cool. Maybe this will be a, you know, finally a, I'm, I'm familiar with the position, the role, but now they'll be paying and they, and they're viewing me as a candidate that needs to be considered. Not that they're just doing someone a favor by giving me a gig. Um, so I called him back mm-hmm. again. And this whole time I'm trying to like, yeah, and I've had a few of these moments throughout my career. Like I'm like, I'm on a phone call with Ron Francis, like I'm, I'm behind a corner. Right. So I don't get yelled at that. I'm not cleaning golf clubs. Cause I had to call the guy back <laughs> as soon as I got it. Like, what am I going to wait? Make him wait. Um, so anyways, right. get down to the final two for the position and I don't get it. And the guy that got it was in the NHL for the past like six years. So I, I, a silver lining, I was like, you know what? I lost out to someone that had me beat dead to rights on qualifications. But again, I was just like, so disheartened. Like, come on, man. Somebody just give me a chance and give me a shot. Um, and then, like, I think it was a week from um, a team in the USHL, which is the top uh, tier junior team in the, the, U, in the United States. Um, a lot of their kids are get prepared to go play uh, NCAA afterwards because they don't lose their eligibility by playing in this league, unlike major junior in Canada. I get a call. I get a voicemail left on my phone from Dan Muse, who was the head coach in Chicago at the time. And I, la- I laughed how he, he phrased it, you know, Hey, we, we know you worked the last year in the American Hockey League. We have a director of hockey operations role here in Chicago. We're hoping that you'd be interested in one. And I'm going, I'm watching golf clubs, my man. Like, yeah, let's let's get on the phone. Let's talk. Let's see what's going on. <laughs> um, and 
So we end up talking, but obviously, you know, even for the casual listener here, they're probably going in their head. Well, obviously, you know, I had a really good conversation with Dan where they were wanting to take their organization. They were focused on changing the culture there as a team that had had not, not had a lot of success. They hadn't been to the playoffs in nine years. Dan was now entering his second year as the head coach there. He had come um, and had a lot of success there. And now this was his first head job. Um, and I just really bought into what he was selling. Um, and that uh, I want to try to work with really good people, not be in really good like roles. Because going back to the fact that I, I never played professional hockey, I think my MO has to be, I need to learn from the best people and close that gap as best as I can. I can have all the titles and the money that I want, but if I don't know how to do what I need to do in this industry really well from good people, I'm, I'm a little dead in the water or, I, or I'm just focusing on the short-term aspect of wanting a good title or role. Um, so the big dilemma in my mind was, do I go down to a lower level of hockey in hopes that I can get back to a pro level team at some point? Or is this, you know, cause you do see unfortunately a lot of guys that get down to that lower level and they're pigeonholed. They're just thought of as like being a lower level guy. And that's kind of it. Um, so then end up talking to them take the position uh, and it was great we had a great staff there me dan peter menino who i laughed i watched peter play played at denver university when i was a kid um and, and so that was again it was another star moment that I've, i was like how am i working with pete menino like this guy i watched with paul stastny and big joe colburn and all these other guys that i associated with du hockey like, like how is you know I just couldn't believe it. So we get there and we had a really, really good year. We ended up winning a championship. Um, the only regret that I have of that season planned, I planned it's a missing. entire bachelor party <laughs> that I could not go to. So the Chicago Steelers, I remember that. Yo, me. Yo, me. No, I'm just kidding. You gave me a ring, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, like we had a great year. Um, and I learned a lot from Dan, Peter, and our other assistant, Dallas. They allowed me to grow. Um, I was the director of hockey operations there. So I handled all of our video, all of our team travel. I was wheeling with catering and all that stuff. So I handled That's all insane. of that. Again, I thought my head was going to blow up at points, but I was like, I'm building a wealth of knowledge that uh, I wouldn't have had otherwise at the higher level, because the lower that you go in hockey, the more hats you got to wear. Like we were fortunate to have a me on that staff. There was like one other team, I think that guy. And then, Everywhere else, like you should have seen when I walked into arena and I asked for a video feed, they looked at me like I was like speaking in Arabic. Like they were like, "Well, we got a VCR. Deck. Can you do anything with that?" And I was like, "Man, <laughs> like a VCR." Um, so, anyways, it was a great year. Yeah, we ended up in the finals in that league. You only play best of five. Um, game five in uh, Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, Tyler Gratton, who now plays at Penn State, scored in overtime. And it was, I mean, I wasn't playing, obviously, but it was like, and we were in their building. So I'm up on the concourse, surrounded by people that either work for their organization or fans. And like, like had to like, yes, like, and quickly pack all my stuff up and run down. But yeah. I ended up winning a championship there. And it was just an amazing season. And again, learned a lot. And, and that was maybe the first time that I really was exposed to a, a really, really good culture, not just like pieces, like in Springfield, a couple of resources or coaches, but that was the first culture that I was a part of where we were coming to the rink as a staff dedicated to making our players better and the players bought in. Um, and so that was my first exposure to that. Um, and yeah, we had a, 
just an unbelievable. Um, and I was planning to stay there for more than that year. Um, and I was actually, our whole staff moved on, but I was the first one to go because I got a phone call one day from a number I didn't have. That, that should be like my book of getting a phone call from a number I didn't have. I'm not realizing. Um, and, uh, I got a call from a, a guy who I didn't know his name when he first said it on the phone. He said, Hey, this is Mike Fuda. And he was the assistant general manager with the Kings, the LA Kings. And again, in my head, I'm going, what? Like, is somebody messing with me? Like someone's messing with me. Um, and so I called him back and he said, you know, you know, we'd like to talk to you about, you know, maybe doing that. We know you're in Chicago. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> like no disrespect to Chicago, but I was just like, man, like, yes, like maybe this will again be another opportunity to get back to that American hockey league level. Um, and my first phone call with the head coach of their team, um, Mike Stuthers, who I owe a lot to Stutz. And we had actually had a funny track record ourselves. Like he was the coach that beat me in the first round when I was in Portland and they went on to win the championship. So we kind of, he'd always throw jabs at me um, with that. But uh, first phone call with him and I'd never had a more blunt interview than I had with Stutz. And that's just who he is. As a he, he, that's just how he is. He just tells you what he's thinking, which I loved. Um, and so, yeah, anyways, I ended up taking, I met them that year. I was living in Chicago or just outside of it um, in Geneva. That year, the NHL draft was in Chicago. I met them at the draft to what I thought was going to be the final stage of an interview. And even at that, I was like, with how the Carolina thing went, I was just like, yeah, we got a good feeling, but don't count your chickens before they hatch kind of thing. Like, just, you know. Um, and they ended mm-hmm. up offering me the job that night at a staff dinner at a ritzy Italian place that I, I probably would have been the busboy at like two years before. Um, and I just couldn't believe it. And the money for the first time was livable. Like it was a good wage where I could, you know, be totally independently financial. Um, and away from having to rely on my parents because, um, I've talked about it some, but like I, uh, I got, I started to get to a point where I, I was very thankful for my, for all that they stepped up, uh, my parents and my sisters, I haven't mentioned them yet, but my sisters play a big part in this too. Um, I, I didn't want to burden them anymore. Um, and so I, I was really, I, I had a moment um, in the parking garage after leaving that dinner. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Pursuit of Happiness, where the guy, I believe it's when he passes the exam and he just walks out and it's on like the street in New York. People are flying by and their daily bustle. Well, I was in a garage parking garage by myself so there wasn't people but i just had a moment of like her brooks coming off the bench after like i just threw my hands up yeah. in the air and like swore a couple times and was just like yes like <laughs> life is happening um and i was just so excited to get out to la so i went out there and um and you know we had our first year and i was the full-time i was the video coach um and we had a you know a head coach uh, two assistants but then i was a member of the coaching staff and our whole coaching staff at that point, Mike Sellers, Dave Bell, and um, all played professional. Stutz was, uh, I believe he was 11th overall draft pick um, when he played uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Dave played in the NHL, but he's one of the toughest fighters that ever played in minor league hockey. A lefty that never backed down from any fight. And some of his stories, I, I couldn't believe they were real. It was like I was talking to a guy that was in the movie Slapshot. Um, but... Again, this was a man that he obviously was known as a fighter during his playing career, but had dedicated himself. He had been a coach in major junior in Canada, um, in Niagara, um, and, and, and dedicated himself to the craft of becoming a better coach. And that was going to be his first time being. 
uh, as far as being an assistant coach. So he was, I learned a lot from him. Um, and then Modry played in the NHL for, I think, 15 years. So again, I, I probably went to Avs games um, where he was playing. Um, and the other really, really cool moment mm-hmm. for me when, it, when stuff started with LA was I went out to developmental camp right after they hired me and I um, went to sign my contract. And it was my name for my signature and then Rob Blake. Uh, who's the general manager for the camp. And for people that aren't hockey fans, Rob Blake played a very, very long time in the NHL. And I actually, as a nine-year-old, watched Rob Blake win a Stanley Cup, the famed Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche, where Joe Sackett passed the cup to Ray Bork. Rob Blake was a big part of that team. Um, And I'm signing a piece of paper that he's signing. Like, in my head, I was like, you know what? If it all, now if it all breaks down and I am back at, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings, like... All right, it's kind of worth it now, um, and so yeah. Anyways, <laughs> with LA, uh, good year. Went back there for year two, and then we just had a really tough year in the second year, and um, we actually got moved down. Um, the first year, we were about an hour outside of LA, inland, um, near Ontario, uh, kind of near Riverside, California. If anybody that's listening knows where that's at, but. Um, and it, was, it wasn't a perfect scenario, but it was a lot better than, in my opinion, our second year. We got moved down to live truly in L.A. and practice at the same facility as the Kings, which I think on paper, checkpoints, it would allow us to practice in the same building and have developmental people around a lot more. And unfortunately, I be taxing. We obviously weren't making NHL money, but living in an NHL city, our travel became very rigorous. And that's where I really feel mm-hmm. for the players. They're kind of put in a position where we were playing 68 road games. Um, we'd have to drive out and it was, it was just a tough year. Um, and our, and our oh, results man. showed, um, and I tried to do everything I could to still fulfill my role. But again, if I'm speaking candidly, I let my emotion start that I wasn't having a positive attitude all the time and that I would just, I would try to do a good job, but I really probably wasn't that pleasant to be around. Um, and, uh, but I still had a really good relationship with my head coach and everything like that. And that's, uh, really liked me and had full intention to bring me back, but um, it was a decision above his powers that on actually I asked because I was texting Dave. It was a year ago today um, that I got called into the office and I got told that for an organizational decision that they weren't going to offer me a contract anymore. Um, and that's all the explanation I got. And I was, did I have anything to do with my work? No. And I just, it was maybe the first time that the business for me, I had mentioned the Portland thing, but it was the first time business had reared its ugly head for me to me directly. Um, and yeah, I just, it was a low point, man. I was just like, man, like I, I, I'm not being told too much. Um, I thought I did a good job. And, and then your scramble mode. Um, I spent the first few weeks of that just like trying to figure out, okay, well, am I going to be able what does this mean is there again legit a black mark on my name no one's going to hire me again because again i don't have the pedigree for them to you know unless i'm calling somebody they don't know about me kind of thing um and, and it was a, it was a tough you know it was a tough two months i was really struggling as far as again being a little bit at the crossroads that i was at that brian asked about when i first left school of like all right <laughs> maybe it's time to pack up shop um and uh, was lucky enough to interview for one position back in the USHL and didn't end up taking it. It just wasn't that great of a, 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 a match. 
but I uh, was really thankful for the opportunity to speak with the team that I did and get offered what I did. Um, but it just wasn't a match. And um, then one day he spoke with uh, Scott White, who is the assistant general manager of the Dallas Stars and our general manager here in Texas, and went through a full interview process with them and uh, was just really thankful to uh, to get an offer and ended up accepting it. And uh, been here for my first full, full year with our head coach, Neil Graham, and our assistant coach, Travis Morin, um, who uh, are, are both incredible people. And again, I feel a little in the Chicago days of like that I'm back to a very very good culture um and uh yeah uh, we obviously were impacted by COVID we had our season suspended that game 62 we played 78 uh or no sorry 76 um and so we were right there wow. we were one out. had a pretty roller coaster season we had a season that was impacted by the firing of an NHL level coach that our coach that we started the year with down here he went up hockey league and then neil who was our assistant became our head so um i know i've talked a lot so i, I, I wanted to i know that this the talk was on delayed gratification so i didn't want it to be too short because then it paid um so i try, i'm i'm trying i'm trying to cover all my um but i definitely wanted to have some time i know you guys have asked some questions and stuff like that but i i definitely wanted you guys to be able to you know ask about things or maybe dissect a few things because that's kind of that kind of brings us up to date of where I'm at with my career. Yeah, it seems like um, what Brian had said before too, and you mentioned it um, coming into college too, where you didn't have the, the three crowns weren't a part of your life, but utilizing that along the way and having teammates, both in the form of former teammates and current teammates, it and maybe I, this is more of a comment, but something you can speak on it seems like that's been motivating for Definitely. you I mean, along having, the way i mean some of my notes that i've i've written down are are having a close inner circle i think is very key um i think it's key for a lot of reasons with the first one being that support factor you're going to need people when it's when it's tough and I, i'm a person that if i'm openly admitting i'm i put the horse blinders on a lot of times as far as when stuff gets tough or i'm dealing with a lot or i'm you know i have anxiety or i have stress I won't reach out for the help. I'll just say, you know what, I, I'm okay. Um, and thankfully, I, I really don't um, deal with it on the scale that um, other people that I've heard you guys speak about or other people on your show or um, even people in my life deal with. It's not to say that I don't deal with it or I couldn't deal with it, sure. Um, but I, I've been lucky that I don't have it um, as crippling as I, I know other people have with their anxiety and their stress. But, I mean, and the other thing is, is that that inner circle will hold you accountable. Like I spoke on in, in the year that I was in Springfield and Brian and other members of my circle, um, you know, I'm sure my parents would have more if I alluded more to how much I was joking, but like they, you know, Brian was supportive, but he was also kicking the ass. Like he was like, you know, I'm not letting you quit. <laughs> like, so uh, I, I just think having that inner circle is key. And then, I think it's very key because I've been around, you know, I see a little bit with our athletes because some of our athletes are high profile guys and stuff like that. When it gets to the sunny days and the good days, it's amazing how much that inner circle gets some volunteers. There's a lot of people that come around and they want to be a part of it or they want to be a process. And um, that not, not mm -hmm. just for famous athletes. I'm sure when, when you guys are, you know, if you're not there already, as you start to peak within your medical careers or, or really start to climb and, and, and feel like you're having success. They're now excited to like, 
well, Joe's a rich doctor. Like, let me help out for money or let me get like, you know, um, so I think it's really key to have that inner circle because it's, um, it can't really ever be in my opinion. And, and it's built on those, those relationships. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's a great, great story. Thanks yeah. for walking through that. Yeah. You no, have, for... I really appreciate how there's no, uh, I mean, there's no like pity you just go out and get it and keep grinding and you wouldn't be here. I mean, this, without that attitude, this industry would have just like turned you up and crapped you out a long time ago. Yeah, I think so. It's, a, I mean, again, being, you know, thankful for the situations I'm in, but it is a tough, it's a tough industry. You hear a lot more no's than you hear yeses, which um, I think that's a lot of industries. I know I think to your guys' industry and how competitive, you know, medical school is and how, how often you guys hear no's and the, and the match programs. And just, I mean, I always joke, I go, you can be a C plus video guy. I don't want the C plus surgeon. Like, like be the best and the best. And uh, I just, I have a lot of admiration for your guys' industry and there are some parallels, uh, but I think we're learning right now at the end of the day, um, you know, our industry is shut down. People can't come to hockey games. We don't know the next time that they'll be able to, our teams can't get together. And, the medical community is having to step up in a big, big way. Uh, Any other questions, guys? Any other? Yeah. uh, Dolan, when, when you think about um, sort of what you see as the end goal um, or sort of this whole process, do you think about trying to enjoy like the moment and, and what team you're on and, and the moments with that team? Or are you always thinking about, you know, like this is all to go towards this end goal of being, you know, a, a video coach in the NHL or, or so I guess to paraphrase, are you always thinking of the end goal and everything you're doing? That's a great or question. Is it like, um, I think I'm initially really I was only really thinking of the end goal. Um, I, I definitely, uh, I viewed uh, the other stuff as steps, but it's back to a key word that you had in there as far as being present in the moment and enjoying it. A few of my notes, and I truly do believe it because it's, I've, I've, uh, whether by, you know, being forced through it or, or just talking with other people, is enjoy the state that you're at and the status that you're at because it's going to be a big part of your growth and your learning and your back on those days. Like that contract that I got paid $500 for, I have it. Day that I, quote unquote, make it, it's going up in my office. Um, I'm not forgetting that, that it was a part and a piece of me. I, I think some of the best advice I ever got was be ready for bullshit. Um, it's going to happen and you either embrace it or it's going to eat you up. And it's not to say to make light of it again, back to that people deal with stress anxiety and stuff like that, but it's going to be a part of it. I don't care what you're going to do. You want to be a mailman. You want to be a doctor. You want to be a video coach. Bullshit is playing a part. It's happening. <laughs> like you've got to be ready for it and if you embrace it it's not gonna it, it's not sunshine and rainbows but if it's a part of it and you view it as okay well this might be something that i learn or i i'm very cognizant of the fact that right now there's there's issues in our team and in our industry and all that stuff that i get exposed to because i'm a low-end video coach when you're the high-end executives it's the same thing that what happened when the principal walked by when we were 11 years old everybody sits up straight or everybody acts right well when you're at those lower level positions is when you can really learn i'm sure you guys that was a lot of the inspiration for starting this 
you know, podcast, Brian, your blogging and stuff, you wanted to bring to light the stuff that goes wrong in your industry um, and talk about it and get it out in the open. And I think it's so mm-hmm. key to like be aware right. of the fact that, you know, during these really crucial times, like, you know, uh, this is when you do the learning. So, and to wrap up, to end it, uh, my goal is to be an initial GM. Um, I, I think being a video coach will play a part in that and have a lot for me so far um, to, you know, if I made it to the NHL as a video coach, I think that would be an accomplishment, something that's on my short-term radar. Um, but again, I'm not, um, I'm not quick to get out of Texas. I think we've got a great thing here. And uh, again, I, I can still learn from really, really good people here. And uh, the tough thing, in, and me and Brian have talked about this, is that for what I want to do, there's no, okay, we'll do that for four years and then go take that course and do that certification. So in that sense, it, it can be a little frustrating. Right. And it can be a little weary. Um, I've had this sacrifice. Um, I've now moved, you know, I went to school in Minnesota. I went to Maine. I went to Massachusetts. I went to Illinois. I went to California. Two separate moves in California. And now I live in Texas. Um, my family still lives in Colorado. I have an older sister that lives in New York city. Um, I haven't had a lot of relationships with girls because it just, they're uh, not accepting of a lot of the, the work hours and maybe that's a cop out on my end, but <laughs> yeah, we'll chalk it up to that. Huh? Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of you. And, um, but yeah, for me, that's the, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in my eyes right now, I'm convicted that I'm going to be an NHL general manager. Um, and uh, I really like a quote that I heard about be absolute in your end goal, but flexible in your process. Uh, basically, it keeps you it keeps you dialed in in those tough days. Why am I doing this? What do I want? Um, and then be prepared to make changes to your plan. Uh, I think back to like Brian, when you guys were talking, I believe it was on the step one episode about your guys's processes of how you talked about your study prep and that Brian, God love him thought he was going to break out these five minute intervals and then he'd have a break and then he'd start again. And, and, <laughs> and he, and he realized in that moment in that, yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Like I just think back to everybody's got a part of their story that didn't go the way that they thought it was going to go. Like I, again, I'm Irish. So I'm a big proponent of Murphy's law. If you don't know Murphy's law, basically is that like, it's going to go wrong and it's going to go wrong at the worst possible time. And um, I think some people view that as a pessimistic outlook, but I actually view it as a, a realistic, like it's again, bullshit's going to happen. Like it's going to be part of it. Um, if it doesn't, mm-hmm. then great. Then have a beer after and be like, wow, we got away <laughs> with that. Like, really fine. But like, I, I just, I mean, I think like, cause I think that that creates like, if I don't care if it's in hockey or in medicine, I think some of the best people have gone through the most shit. Uh, they, they're the most prepared. Right. I think we all love the the saying rise to the occasion, but I think it's complete BS. I think, I think it will happen maybe a small or a marginal fraction, but in my opinion, you fall to the level of your preparation. Um, I think if any of, I think if any of you guys had ever, sure. you know, I, I think I'm pretty well, you know, I'm first, I can take my boards or I can do that cat and I need to keep studying and I don't need to be prepared. I'll, I'll get in that room and, They'll wand me in as Brian so talked about that he hated and get in there and feel that pressure and sweat through my shirt. I'll rip it off and I'll rise to the occasion. I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. And it's the same thing for my industry. Like when I'm preparing to be, you know, get ready for a season or even a game night, um, there's so many benchmarks that I have to do um, to to uphold that level of success and like be able to stamp my name on it that I'm, I'm proud of what I did.
God damn. I don't have any other questions. You've dropped all these knowledge bombs on us. <laughs> well, like I said, I I get to yeah, say I was awesome. medical So you can't refuse that. That's the takeaway. You can't take <laughs> that we're going to close on. You can't take that back. Yeah. <laughs> you guys got anything else, Sam, Joe? Well, thanks yeah, for having me on, guys. That I was awesome walking us through that. And I like I said so. at the onset, like I, I'm a fan of your guys' podcast first and foremost. I, I love you. I know I don't know that well. I Joe, you know, we shared a lot of memories back in school, and I'm just thankful for what you guys do. Um, I, I think you know when Lave came on, and I'm sure other people have hopefully reached out to you guys. What you guys are doing is awesome, um, and you might think it's a low level thing or whatever. Well, it only takes one person listening for them to uh, to engage and dial in on a point, and you're going to get people talking. You're going to get people therapy you're going to get people dealing with their shit so i think i think i think it's awesome yeah and that's the hope you know thank you very much thanks we, we really appreciate now that. i'm very yeah. excited for joe's yeah thanks so. I've been <laughs> i'm a listener man you gotta give me an ending <laughs> statement that i'm gonna run through a play glass door for you like let's go <laughs> I'm 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 not ending the like Brian. I don't know. Joe. Next week or whatever. No, Joe, I swear to God. Joe, you don't have one. Don't tell me you don't have one. And you can't say keep skating. You can't say keep skating. Mine. <laughs> okay. You guys got it. You guys do yours. Sam has first, mad and I'll, I'll say mine. Oh, all right. Let's hear it. Uh yeah, I got one though. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Uh, so, you know the Ferris Bueller quote, life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around nice. and smile. You what can a right, what a great so, uh, to shorten it, just, just look around. It's a great movie. Yeah. Well, since I'm the OG, <laughs> I'll just tell you guys to keep grinding. Uh, I have one, and, then, and I'm going to let Joe be the cap on this. Uh, mine is, even though even though I don't really oh, no. like the guy as a fan, um, as a Broncos fan, Tom Brady tormented me for a lot of years. Um, but I've seen his stuff more recently with going to Tampa Bay. That his, uh, his like I think his motivational thing will probably be on his t-shirts and all stuff. Is the only way is through. And I think uh, a lot of what I've spoke on today echoes that. And uh, I just love that saying. I'm actually going to try to make it up, go on a lot of our team wear stuff for this coming season. Um, but yeah, the only way is through. So just keep going and and enjoy it. Beautiful, Joe. No nice, way. <laughs> Dolan came Joe's more well like prepared than that. Closer than they appear, or something. Delivery's on Tuesday, or something. Yeah, you could just pass some gas, maybe, Joe. <laughs> All right, so Joe's thoroughly embarrassed <laughs> yet again, and he hey. doesn't have. A catchphrase next weekend. He's or next week. He's fired. <laughs> a a car still runs on Sounds a half good. a tank of gas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going What's to the tattoo shop right now. I'm inspired. <laughs> Is that like giving permission? Nope. That means even when you're uh, even when you're lacking energy, you can Give still. Half. Well, thanks again, guys. That was- that was, okay. that was something. <laughs> that was something. Thanks again. <laughs>